0: The following episode of Writer's Block Maybe a Minute contains language and themes that some may find utterly disgusting and mind-corroding. We have now passed the watershed and things are about to get bumpy. You have been warned.
1: can free you from your shackles to choose how you live and die. I know your story because it's generations old. Repackaged, repurposed, recycled, retold. Murder, imprisonment, slavery, those things can't be sold. So the restraints they placed upon us, which firmly took hold, they called them protection, safety, and security. Gifts to keep us free. And we, we foolishly clung to them despite our freedom's defeat. Of course they judge you based on your skin you see the looks they give you of course they judge you for a love they call sin you see the looks they give you for being a woman disabled the wrong faith somehow less than you see the looks they give you and if you deign to affect their space with divergence they never fail to remove you we've all borne witness to an instance that moment black bands converge and disappear the men or women who challenge or refuse to not be heard we have come to a moment the call has Come to stand, to stand up, to stand against To show them that they may break some of us But we will not bow or be bent To become the voice of those frozen in fear Those would-be disappeared, those right You will be the beacons that call them to the fight It is mine to begin, it is ours to end It is mine to begin, it is ours to end For years we tried to combat tyranny with peace We carried signs and marched and were struck down at their feet They imprisoned us for words words Gods of love they saw unfit They hope to destroy any opposition Any will to resist The time for peaceful marches has long since passed Too many friends have died Too many families we can't get back They have planted the seeds of anger and fear in our homes Now they will reap this rebellion That their
2: own hands have sown We will show them what a life is like Lived in dread Without equity they may never pay for all our tears shed Whose to begin It is
1: ours to end It was mine to begin, it is ours to end. We were never given a choice, it was never ours to make. But now I will stand with you and we will not break. We will ruin them, as they have ruined our lives. We will free you from your shackles to choose how you live and die.
0: Suzanne Edgerton, in Motherwell, Scotland. Husband. It doesn't do to overreact. I learnt that the first time he pretended to cut his wrists and bled on the marley tiles, which we haven't even paid up yet. He's an extraordinary man. But when he's in one of these moods, he can turn from weepy and despairing to quite nasty, which always goes from bad to worse. If I say, I'm so sorry, darling, which would be the natural thing, wouldn't it? He'll start bringing up all sorts of things I've done wrong from the year dot, getting more and more angry and ending up blaming me for making him want to kill himself. I never know what's wrong. He's the most wonderful man, usually. Just these funny turns, they're so difficult to cope with. I realise it's all part of whatever it is makes him so special. And I do know how lucky I am.
3: So, Glenn, part of being a taxi driver, obviously over the months and years, uh, you meet lots of other drivers. Uh, So there's lots of nicknames in the taxi trade. My favourite for a while was a guy called John obviously worked a rank with more than one John or two Johns or whatever but to differentiate him he was called Never Works Someone Monday John that was his name um, and another conversation I had with another driver was talking to me one day and he mentioned a guy called Wee Butterbeans. Beans And I asked him why he was called that, and he said, because nobody likes butter beans. (laughs) So that's my new (laughs) favourite.
4: This is Jimmy Porter, who learned at an early age what it was like to be angry. Angry and helpless.
5: Peer out of my sight!
4: If only something, something would happen to waken you from your beauty sleep. If you could have a child, then it would die. Let it grow. Let a recognisable human face emerge from this this little mass of India rubber and wrinkles. If only I could see you face that. Jimmy Porter, who lives and loves with an intensity altogether frightening.
6: There's hardly a moment when I'm not watching and wanting you. Nearly two years of being in the same room with you and I still can't stop my sweat breaking out and I see you doing something as ordinary as leaning over an ironing board.
4: Wherever John Osborne's play has been seen, audience reaction has been swift and startling. So much to shock people. The black hatred, the hurt, and the anger. For your own sake, don't ever do that again. I have no public school scruples about hitting girls. If you slap my face, by God, I'll lay you out. Come out of it quick, eh? Now the play has been filmed and emerges as an exciting and challenging motion picture. The biting shock of the dialogue. Ram it up, will you? Stop ringing those bells! The virile, natural humor. I hear me, mother. Reveal Jimmy Porter as an arresting and provocative person. You'll want a shield from his anger, Allison the girl he never forgives for being born into a society beyond his reach. You'll want to tear apart Helena, the friend who is a Jezebel. You'll understand Jimmy's love for poor old Ma Tanner. And you'll know why Cliff, who lives with the Porters, is powerless to leave them. I don't think I want anything more to do with love. Not anymore, I can't take it on.
6: Yeah. Too young to start giving up. Too young and too lovely. (laughs)
5: It's
6: no good fooling about with love, you know. If you can't bear the thought of messing up your nice, tidy soul, you'd better give up the whole idea of life and become a saint. Because you'll never make it as a human being.
0: Foster here, I'm in Mexico, and the name of this piece is Windbreak. Michael? Hi, hon. Yeah, I'm up at Stony Tall. I think you should see it. It's uh, 30 acres, and it's a really great view. But I have to tell you what the realtor said. <clears throat> the last family lived here, died here. The whole lot of them married the rope-maker's daughter and learned to fly. It was tragic. She means they hanged themselves. It seems they've cut down the whole line of poplars that protected the house, and the howling of the wind finally drove them all mad. No, nope, no windbreak here now. Just these huge old stumps by the driveway. It's a bit breezy here. All right, then. Whoa. Okay. My Are you still there? Oh, good. Uh, You know what? Let's go take another look at that um, old mill we liked.
7: Meet you at the pub? You're listening to Writer's Block on Super Sound Radio.
8: The Mazed World by Benjamin Peel from Skegness, Lincolnshire in the UK. Read by Edward Peel, also from Skegness. I needed that break, and you did too. Or we'd both have overheated ourselves. These old highways are in such a bad state now. Did you like the Beethoven? Yeah. It's strange to think music can be put into such a small micro SD card. A symbol of our downfall, some might think. You see, all that we demanded needed servers, using lots of energy which helped warm the planet until a tipping point was reached, creating havoc with the weather and then the disease wiped more of us out, too. I sure am old enough to remember what happened. Someone called Donald Trump was president of the old America about a decade or so before the catastrophe, and he's as much to blame as anyone. Right, my old beauty, it's time to hit the road again.
9: Lee Kirk reading Love. I see Love right in front of me, five foot of it, red, bitter faced, grey haired, advising about a fight, saying, See your thumb, use that as a knife, stab the eyeballs, sorted. The guy is advising getting a fight the night before, his faces are scratched. We're all here to get a bear and set appointment. I'm here first. I came here 15 minutes early, and for 15 minutes, I've been hearing advice about fighting, especially with his son named Love. It's not a thing from the heart, obviously. It's such a contrast. And his son was killed. This Love, his son was killed in a gang fight. He had a samurai sword, and the blade flew out the handle and stabbed his own eye. The camera works like a strange motherfucker sometimes. The main reception door opened and we all poured in. I was there first to get the appointment. They asked for the birthday of my mum. I forgot. I had to go back. Ach, well.
5: This is the story of one William Fisher, better known as Billy Liar.
9: It was a big day for us.
10: We had won the war in Ambrosia. Democracy was back once more in our beloved country.
7: The bald egg's stone cold. Well, come on, then. It's
11: nearly half past nine.
4: Why don't you see he gets washed and dressed before he comes down in the morning? Hey, what's he telling that woman down at the fish shop about me having me leg off? You will look
7: as if I've had my leg off. We'll have to stop all this making things up, Billy. There's no sense in it at your age. We never know where we are with you. Billy Fisher, the man himself. Billy,
12: Yes, well, now, as I was saying, Fisher, there are discrepancies in the postage book. I've been trying to get some sense out of your figures here.
0: For God's sake, Billy, why don't you tell the boring little man where to stick his job?
12: We may have to take some legal
0: action. I don't know. I'll talk to you about it on Monday.
5: Every time Billy's in a spot, he shoots his big gun off. Billy Liar, the boy whose imagination is so vivid, whose lies are so varied, he can't even face himself.
12: I'm going to London. But I'd have been at the station already. Well, if it hadn't been for Grandma.
11: If you're in any more trouble, Billy, it's not something you can leave behind you, you know. You, you put it in your suitcase and you take it with you.
5: Billy Liar, the story of a boy whose imagination is larger than his life.
12: Billy!
13: Are you feeling all right?
12: Of course, darling. Why?
13: Well, look where your hand is. Oh.
5: Billy Liar, based on the best novel and screenplay by Keith Waterhouse and Willis Hall. Produced and directed by the team who gave you A Kind of Loving. Now they emerge with a brand-new kind of escapist entertainment.
14: Michigan calling Michigan calling This is called westering home. Sunbeams laser through a puddled shattered sky, a storm other sea foam beards the bladdered rocks. Wind shredded waves break and crash to shore, whilst one legged oyster catchers weather vein the gills Gulls hang from rainbows crucified in the eye of a storm. Blown and blasted waterfalls break and splatter skywards. Bobbing Russian black and white wagtails peck and run. Twisted gannets and islet seals lie sacrificed to the storm. Knotty rope and fishing floats embroider the tangled rack. Rounded, coloured pebbles roll and chase the retreating waves. While overloaded trawlers bob and sink. To harbour, safety and home.
0: You're listening to Writer's Block Radio Hour, only on Supersound Radio. Now go and wash your hands.
15: Ross White from Glasgow. This is Civil Engineering. Privacy now rests with freedom. We assume we have it until we look a little closer. And as you look for either in any great detail, you see that you've been carrying around the slowly decomposing remains. We all have a list of things that we all defend. And it's a long list, but it shrinks as we up the stakes. The things that you will fight for, literally fight for, is a much longer list than the things that you would risk your life for. And the things that you would sacrifice yourself for. And the things that you would sacrifice others for. Will you sacrifice the lives of innocent people for the right to retain personal privacy? I live in an age where that choice has been made, and like most things, it didn't happen overnight or with some impressive presidential announcement. It was a series of small concessions over a long time. I work for a branch of the international government that uses time travel to alter the lives of people who commit atrocious acts. We are civil engineers.
5: Breathing. By Natasha
13: Gerson. My chest tightens. My earways narrow. My face reddens. I become a vampire for air. It's terrifying. Medications useless. Fight to be calm. Pick four objects in the room. Table cat, window book, table cat, window book. Repeat four times. Breathe in for four, out for four. Also, four times impossible. A ragged struggle starts to ease, slows down. A minute that takes a lifetime. It works.
5: I breathe to live another day.
1: Where do you? Was it your parents, your children, your neighbors, your friends? How long did you scream into the abyss before your lungs gave out? And the realization of your absolute loss broke you and you knew it was over? You are one of many among us who've witnessed it firsthand. They are strong enough to take us down right where we stand. Everything ripped from you so quickly you feel you don't dare speak. I know you suffer still, my friend, but that doesn't make you weak. We all begin this path very suddenly alone. But paths converge. We come together, and so our numbers grow. In homes, in cars, in churches. They scar us, and we try to find our way. You are one of us now. Welcome to the fray. A building stands, a silent sentinel, no windows, concrete, void of life, but cameras watch, so you must be discreet. Place and arm the charges, be careful with the remote. Move safely away and watch the display, a history that you wrote. When the skies ignite and the darkness comes to hide, let it find what we've already lost. You'll be one of many among us who've witnessed it firsthand. We are strong enough to take them down right where they stand. I am the second to lead this struggle, and I'm trying to see it through. I gave you this task, but no, I'd never ask anything I wouldn't do. It was mine to begin, it is ours to end. It was mine to begin, it is ours to end.
13: My name's Sarah McCardy, I live in Glasgow, and my piece is called I Wonder. I wonder if I'll ever feel someone else's skin again, or if I'll go on holiday, or have a job, or any money. I wonder if I can keep my flat. It feels like I have amnesia, as every day I walk 10 to 15 kilometres, but then eat my body weight in chocolate. Why didn't I love more? Myself and other people. I wonder if there really is an afterlife, because if there is, I know this won't be the end. It's only a part of the journey. I want to hug my parents. I wonder if the conspiracy theories are true. Have they planned this to wipe us out? My friend said yesterday that we'll be back to normal before we know it, so I'd better tidy up my living room. No, we won't. I hope we don't go back. I wonder if we'll have a new normal where people engage, people make eye contact and are grateful when you smile at them. I wonder if we will feel like the lucky ones. I wonder if we will be the survivors.
16: Check Yourself by Harold Yarbrough. I had a conversation with a customer the other day at my job. He told me about a friend of his who had lost an arm, but otherwise was bright and able-bodied and looking for work. The customer told him there was actually an opening at his job simply inspecting product that he would have been perfect for and shared that with him while they had lunch together one day. His reply to him was, do you really think they would hire a black man with one arm? You know, people fall short because they themselves either don't realize their own strengths, they don't have the confidence in themselves and depend on others to lift them up. I'm a lyric guy. Songwriters can say it much better than I can. The Eagles had a great song called Already Gone, and the final lines say it all. So many times it happens that we live our lives in chains, and we never even know we have the key. Think about that. Translated, it means the only thing holding you back is you.
17: Graham Morgan and I'm the author of a book called Start. This piece of writing is called The Pause. Three weeks ago my mum asked for a proper hug before I caught the train home to Scotland. We hugged in the kitchen and then at the station there was a rare parking space so we hugged again. She felt so thin, her optimism for once may have held a tug of uncertainty. On the train a loud family talked about how they needed to get to the Isle of Man before travel was stopped, their luggage overflowing into the Isle taking up spare seats and today now that we have had the children out of school for a couple of days we walked around Ardmore I kept on trying to record the sea the sound of the oyster catchers and curlews the seaweed poppy in the heat I walked up to the old man made something maybe once it was a harbour or maybe some weird fish trap high blocks of stone old wooden stakes the mussel shells crunching under my feet dashed the dog sniffing everywhere tuggy on his lead you, my love, get the children writing in chalk on stones, get them to sing songs of the seashore, to stamp on the seaweed and carry lumps of wood to make their fort out of washed-up polystyrene and twigs decorated with shells and stones and flowers. We all agree it is a fine and lovely fort. I take photos. James as his way, he puts his face close to the camera so the shot is spoiled, but I get other ones I like. We find Fogspawn beside the path. Think of hatching at tadpoles at home. At the point looking out to the wrecked sugar boat, we come across that massive, massive, washed up stack of wood and nails. Some old pier come loose, perhaps. The gorse is yellow and smelling of coconut. You and the children clamber onto the wooden pier. James getting stuck halfway up. You all walk up and down, shouting out the numbers incised into the old wood, making play up games, pretending to fall off. Out to sea, the wave's own melody makes this perfect. The gulls and the crows and the oyster-catchers and the deep, deep warm blue of the early spring make this especially beautiful, a treasured memory. When we reach the bog, Charlotte nearly loses her boot in the mud. James cries at the scratch of the gorse we go through to escape the wet. And now, back at home after the best, most perfect day of the year, the children say they miss their friends and we explained we are only allowed out once a day, that we are not allowed to visit other people. I get rigid to phone my mum, alone in her big house, so soon after her husband, my dad died. You speak to your mum, try to convince her not to keep going out to the shops. We sit later, confused. We do not know what to make of this.
18: I keep hiding in the place where you said darkness would never find us. I keep waiting for you to say you won't leave me behind, wait till I start trying, wait till I try I don't know what to do You have nothing to lose, but I still have you I can barely move, I can't make you stay Why leave where we can both be safe?
19: D. Lee Miller. You're awake. Max, your baby blues are open. You're back. How do you feel? You can breathe on your own now. Oh, I must look terrible. We'll say something. What? Oh! They asked that I shut your vocal box so your energy could target your healing. We'll have it turned back on. We can't. The new regulations... Max, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. I'll speak to our Lord tomorrow, first thing. That's better. That's better. Are you hungry? Do you want to sit up? Okay, baby steps. Hold my hand. It's okay. I'm encased, and you're disinfected. We have a son. 94-36.1.3 takes after you. He's self-schooling now. I'm a food prep essential. We're peasants. Don't get angry. We're, we're all peasants. It just means those without vaccinations. I know they might as well call us slaves or serfs. This is home now. I loved our apartment too, but it became very clear that the bank owned it. I got a pretty penny when we sold it, 10%. Honestly, I tried everything, but we couldn't afford the taxes anymore. So I moved us underneath to this compartment. It's quite homey. No, it isn't. Nothing is what they say anymore. It's all an illusion. Don't cry. At least we're still living in a democracy. We still have our voices. No, don't. Max, don't close your eyes. We can be like the original David, fighting for all of us. Please, open your eyes. Max, will I have to do this alone? I didn't even tell you you lost your job.
13: Oh, shit,
20: me hip. Ah, these balconies are too small. You couldn't swing a cat. Italians, they know how to do balconies. It was Italy that started the clapping for doctors and nurses. Little tiny balconies, no bigger than postage stamps, some of them. And every other one's got an opera singer on it, belting out arias. And that's what gave me the idea of doing a serenade for the Labradoodle lady. It's perfectly safe. being in quarantine behind the front door since our Becky dropped it off on Tuesday. What time is it? She's never late,
11: the labradoodle lady.
20: Always on her balcony by ten. Especially since the lock-in, you can set your watch by her. Now then. Hello, you beauty. Hang on, there's a note tucked in here. Hi, Grandad. Good luck serenading your lady friend, spare strings and digital tuner, in the case. Stay safe. Love, Becky. Digital Tuna, for pity's sake. Up you come then. She is late though. Ten o'clock, you could set your watch. Every day so far. Blinds up around nine. Doors open by 9.30. By ten she's out reading or coffee or yoga gives Harvey his breakfast and a cuddle Harvey's the labradoodle. I don't know her name, it's daft, and I I never thought to ask. You see your neighbors on their balconies, on the stairs, in the street. You nod, you smile, you say hello, you stop to stroke a dog, to say nice day, to have a laugh. You meet in the park. You feed the birds, have a cup of tea, you listen to the buskers. You talk about your grandchildren by a ball for Harvey. You laugh about the neighbours. You wave to each other from your balconies. You get invited over for tea just before the virus. And we had to cancel everything. I realise I hadn't asked her name. I can't remember if I told her mine. You miss the moment. You think, oh, there's plenty of time for all that. Why do we always think there's plenty of time? There never is. In the Serenade by Anya King, Anthony Hodgson played Martin... And played the guitar.
1: You're listening to KRG, the voice of a nation. Here are today's top headlines.
18: Unemployment is down to the lowest rate in decades at less than 1%. Food
1: distribution centers across the country are seeing massive losses. Reported
18: instances of sexual deviance are down after the recent arrests at a local Authorities club.
1: attribute last week's overnight theft of weapons from a military facility to the group led by the man known as Venter. Wages are up year over year by nearly 10%. The oil advisories for water consumption in townships across the state. Graduation rates are on
18: the rise as the new federal re education program goes
1: into effect. These have been today's top headlines. You're listening to KRG.
6: Hello, my name's Peter Moan and these are more readings from the blog Cheers Govanhill. Hill. This first one is called Why Govanhill Hill is First, Best and Most. It's a scientific fact that Govan Hill is one of the world's best places to live. Rest of the south side, not so much. The sinister neighbourhoods surrounding Govan Hill, your Queen's Parks, your Langsides, your Mount Floridas, have an air of menace about them. Best not to venture there after dark. Everyone's in bed. Polmidee's like that, but with added siege mentality. Nothing much comes out of Polmidee. I've known good people go there and never be seen again, just like Tory Glen. Places like King's Park or Oatlands don't appear on any map and only really exist in people's imaginations, like in ghost stories. Then there's Cross where the weather is different and the language is too. It's a foreign country, like Strathbungo. I used to work beside a guy from Cross who spoke in code all the time. What year was your granny born, and how many sugars do you take in your tea? And your gorbels, your shawlins, and your pollock seals are all tartan trues, shortbread tins, thin-lipped fundamentalists who chain up swing parks on a Sunday. They pretend they have beautiful scenery of lochs and castles and glens. But when you get there, it's just horrible weather, terrible food and songs about jumpers fiddly diddly bollocks. Govanhill is too weird for all that. We have our seductive urban vibe of loft apartments, art galleries and boutique hotels. Our radical poets, golden retrievers and overlapping left backs. Kurdish slash Romanian slash Guinean slash Vietnamese. It's in our nature. And everything has to be true to its nature. Don't you worry your sweet ass about that. Cheers, Govan Hill. This one is called Why Govan Hill is Just Like Tenerife. Tourists huddling together in holiday resorts in Europe. Full English, roast beef, daily mail. Know what you like, stick to your own Same kind of clothes and your own kind of food, proper food. It's like that in Govan Hill, but with less fluorescent beachwear. Went for a meal round here, ages ago. And while we waited for our food, we were approached three times and told sorry, this table is reserved. Aye, by us. We were made to doubt our own hipness. It was a blow to our self-esteem. Needed a few cans to cheer ourselves up afterwards. Or the sign I saw in a bakery. Geez, I've had nightmares about that sign. Lost sleep over it and everything. Thanking customers for choosing to go out of their way. For taking the chance, making the journey to this strange location. But we live in this strange location. We didn't have to take the chance or go out of our way to make the journey. See? That's why we feel excluded. Because we're excluded. Anyway, let them eat cake. We all write stupid things, eh? Especially me, Cheese. Remember that one? What was I thinking? Just breathe in. Start walking. Go home and sit down and shut up. Stay still. Stay tuned. Coming soon. On its way. Any day. Peace and love. Then I went to bed and fell asleep and woke up the next morning and didn't feel very different at all. Sorry, Governor Hill. This one is called The Invisible Here. Many different cities have been here over the years. Each one a memory of a story overheard, a photograph, a fragment of written word. City of industry. Tenements lining the great arteries of the old town. The black streets of this dark metropolis and the buildings that went on forever. Factory gates and subway stations. Slamming doors and shrieking whistles, where the trains take you all across the country and the ships all over the world. City of the past. Where big guys in oily blue overalls play 19-a-side football in the park at lunchtime, and when the four o'clock horn sounds, the streets crush with men. A radical city, red Clydeside, trade unions, class struggle, suffragettes, rent strikes. Mary Barber, John McLean, Manny Shinwell, Jimmy Reid. A workers' city, not a merchant city. City of the dead. Factories closed in derelict yards. Silenced docks, shadowy warehouses in the rain. No more locomotives or tram lines or container ships. Just acres of empty land with giant puddles like vast lakes beside mounds of earth and piles of tires that seem hundreds of feet high. A lost civilization. Defeated and stripped bare, as people abandoned. And all that's left is the terrifying groaning of the dredgers on the river. Sounding like the rise of the killer machines in some science fiction nightmare. Me and you and our ancestors' songs of anger and loss. Still here, the invisible here.
20: One minute monologue by John Wilde from Paisley. I Lied. Written and performed by John Wilde.
8: See earlier when I
15: told you about the robbery, I lied. I did it. It was me. I feel quite justified. You see that morning they open up safe's empty and being in charge I'm the main suspect. But the boss, he's like Marcus, I know it wasn't you, I trust you. You've been with us ten years now. Yeah, ten years putting up in your shit, boss. And he thinks he's so gay-friendly, boss. Given it, I've got no problem where people put their bits. It's all the same to me. And I can spot a hater when I see one. He knew I brought in the punters. My patter, and of course my hooks, meant the bar was never quiet. And see Friday night, the bar was something else. So I robbed the fuck out of him. Five fucking K. He didn't have a clue. And of course, that was it. The boss had a secret crush on me, the daft bugger.
11: Shadow had done three years in prison. He was big enough and looked don't fuck with me enough. That his biggest problem was killing time. So he kept himself in shape, and taught himself coin tricks, and thought a lot about how much he loved his wife. The best thing, in Shadow's opinion, perhaps the only good thing, about being in prison was a feeling of relief the feeling that he'd plunged as low as he could plunge and he'd hit bottom. He didn't worry that the man was going to get him, because the man had got him. He was no longer scared of what tomorrow might bring, because yesterday had brought it. It didn't matter, Shadow decided, if you had done what you had been convicted of or not. In his experience, everyone he met in prison was aggrieved about something. There was always something the authorities had got wrong, something they said you did when you didn't or you didn't do quite like they said you did. What was important was that they had gotten you.
1: Recall our mornings. Recall the last day he sat in my arms. Recall the void that sits in my heart in my lap waiting to be filled but never will. He can't keep still. Nose-stuffed voice horse, he's about to take a spill, and spill his tasteless cereal on the floor of our apartment, and even still, I smile, waiting for him to finish. He sees my gaze and wants to know what's caught my eye. I want to catch him and hold on to this moment, because it may be the last one I remember, where things feel normal, ordinary. But he finishes, and now everything has to change.
18: We're here, live on the scene where the Federal Association for Disease Control once stood.
1: I help him to the car, I hear his labored breath under the white mask he's forced to wear. I can see his smile in his eyes, though I worry that mine betray him. We drive, and for him it feels so normal, ordinary. While none
18: have been found yet, authorities are still hoping to find survivors among the rubble even as the death toll continues to climb.
1: He turns on the radio and overhears stories he's starting to understand more and more every day. But as much as I want to be the shield that protects him from the world, I need him to survive to grow into it. I miss his innocence. I miss his mother. I miss his smile at the park before we had to cover it, before he couldn't run like he used to. We would stay there for hours until the sun grew tired and went to sleep. But now he barely remembers those days because it was half his life away. And we drive.
18: We can only speculate as to the motives of the type of person who would blow up a building full of sick children.
1: Hardly anyone walks around this part of town anymore. Hidden away, a windowless building stands over us. This is where he will spend most of his days being treated for the sickness the medicine won't take away. They won't risk the decay from years ago that swallowed so many lives before it burned itself to ashes. This looks the same, even though the temples have not extended beyond him. We walk through the doors and they are expecting us. They call him by name and he smiles as he staggers toward the desk he doesn't know that he may not escape this place, and I fear that one day it may become normal, ordinary.
18: We are here now with the father of one of the children. I'm so sorry for your loss. I understand your son was in the building. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the people who did this?
1: The first goodbye was easier than the last, and it almost killed me. Despite the months I went without him, I could still feel his heartbeat. But I fell to my knees knowing he was free when I couldn't feel it anymore. And now I'm left without him, and my legacy dies with me. To the cowards that perpetrated this crime, stand so I can see. Because if tiny lives are worth the taking, I'll never see the world like you do. The pain you've inflicted on us is nothing. Temporary. But I'm afraid the silence in my apartment is starting to feel normal. Ordinary.
12: sources were proud to reveal today a new amendment ready for relay the camel has been superseded by jet the needles eye the terminal lounge praise the self and may your wealth be with you may your every need fulfill your greed and let us all be thankful if we have a bankful Sheltered words at the chief, comfortable church. Gratitude rife for condoning the life. Heads turn, expression of burn. A voice from the rear has overcome fear and is speaking in words whilst facing the front. Quick silence, shout of the violence. A pain in the wrists, tight, rough. We've had enough. luck, Key. cell, Hell!
10: In Death As Don't Park by Bev Sweeney. You're looking right at me through that two-way glass. You can't see me, but I can see you. Your face is, is calm now, serene, almost resigned not contorted with hate and alcohol as it was that night when you pressed yourself upon me and your metal to my neck. They said I was the lucky one. And when they will let me flick that switch, I'll watch the cold, dark liquid make its way through your cold, dark heart to the cold, dark recesses of your poisoned mind, and it will kill you. But I know that every night when I will wake screaming from my tortured sleep, the memory of your rancid breath mixing with the cool fresh night air. I know, I know that you will never die.
6: This is Werner Herzog.
12: You are listening to Writer's Block on Supersound
9: Scotland. Doogie Walker from the Royal Borough of Grutherglyn, performing
6: Morning Glory. This morning I had something wonderful. This morning I had something inspiring to wake me from my slumbers. In amongst the sound of passing cars and the whistling winds, I heard something surprisingly beautiful. In the distance, someone is playing the bagpipes. A neighbour applauds.
12: Good on ye, son, good on ye. Well played, poor oh, some set of lungs on ye. Imagine that, somebody
4: playing Flower of Scotland at 5.45 in the morning. Seek, get dead.
13: Pauline Goldsmith, belfast i'm in the park with my mask on social distancing with a swan with an n95 got a couple of them in february now to be fair i should have really phoned that health government woman from northern ireland or sorry the north of ireland or whatever but it doesn't really matter what you call it anymore because apparently it's our fault they haven't got any masks because i bought two in february though until now i was the only fucker wearing one even the chef came in from the pub to have a look at me i was just back from china so i was paranoid but observant i'd been to the shops you know i'd been to the chinese places that you see on the tv so i knew it could actually happen but god help the government they couldn't see it coming sure how could they but i should have really sent them a memo in february when i was ordering so they could have put an order in too fuck i could have told them about the ventilators as well i just feel terrible
4: Hello, Mike. Hello, Richard. How are you? Hello, John. And how are you? Working? Really? That's good. What are you doing? A play? Oh, very nice. See you. Have a nice day. Bastard. Couldn't act his way out of a paper bag, the slag. Still, I'll show them. The ones out there, the ones in the chairs, the ones who say thank you, I'll let you know, my dear. They haven't the guts to come out here.
21: The Road by Cormac McCarthy Narrated by Paul Darach When he woke in the woods in the dark and the cold of the night, he'd reach out to touch the child sleeping beside him. Nights dark beyond darkness, and the days more gray, each one, than what had gone before, like the onset of some cold glaucoma dimming away the world. His hand rose and fell softly with each precious breath. He pushed away the plastic tarpaulin and raised himself in his stinking robes and blankets and looked towards the east for any light, but there was none. In the dream from which he'd wakened, he had wandered in a cave where the child had led him by the hand, their light playing over the wet flowstone walls, like pilgrims and a fable swallowed up and lust among the inward parts of some granadic beast.
19: Ode to the Playwright, a one-minute monologue by Vivian C. Lermond, performed by Janine Thompson, Columbus, Ohio. Word, Master, you underestimate your stride given yourself up to the thought that it is safe simply to take short steps you've missed your talent measurements by a long mile self-doubt is so punishing spawning thought waves that defy inspiration incubation Trust the power of your words to settle like a soft coat of stardust on a world needing to be set free from acute ambivalence. That is what you have been called to do. Onward, pen warrior. You're listening
0: to the Maybe a Minute Monologue Challenge on Writer's Blog Radio Hour.
22: Only on Super Sound Radio. Baggage. Written and performed by Karen Fraser. In my garage, there's a suitcase. It's an ordinary black pull-along case. The kind you see every day on the conveyor belts at airports. It's a little bashed, but perfectly usable. It sits on a high shelf. It's been there for one year. Two months, four days and eight hours. I pass it every day when I drag myself into the car to work and I spend about five minutes staring at it, unable to move until something snaps me out of my funk. It lingers in my head during the day, eating away at me during lapses of concentration. I'm not strong enough to keep it at bay I see other people at work, walking lightly, sharing jokes and smiles. I watch them like an alien from another planet, unable to comprehend their behaviour. At the end of the day, I'm there, yet again, paralysed, staring at that damn suitcase. Sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's an hour. To me, time just disappears. I'm stuck. I long for the day I walk by and I don't give it a second thought. Today's different. Today I find myself with a suitcase on the table in front of me. I'm moving almost independently of my brain. I'm pulling the zips and lifting the lid. <laughs> my hands are shaking as I lift the plastic bag and lay it on the table. As I open the vacuum bag, it hits me, the smell. It fills my nostrils and my whole body. The scent that once made me feel safe, warm, comforted. I grab the pillow and I pull it towards my face and I drown myself in your smell. Seems such a short time ago I took it for granted. Almost didn't notice it. I can suddenly feel the warmth of your body, hear the beating of your heart. As I sink deeper into the depths, my heart begins to ache and my stomach begins to twist and churn. I can't get a breath. Something is crushing my chest. I'm jolted back up to the surface, my face flushed and my cheeks slick with tears. I must put it back. It's been out too long. I frantically wrap the pillow back in plastic, put it in the suitcase and zip it up. It's getting fainter every time I do this. Soon you will be gone. Completely.
23: Ordinary Nine, Brian Peters in Glasgow. I was an ordinary nine year old boy, going to the park across the road to play football till dusk, walk the dog, fish for tadpoles in the boating pond, red blaze pitches in the fossil grove, magical childhood kingdoms. That's where I went every day from spring through summer and on into autumn, when we went away on holiday, in other playgrounds and plenty other times too, so maybe I didn't need music yet. The first record I bought was really naff, a novelty comedy record of its time a cultural crime. So I hadn't really woken up to music yet, but that changed one day. This song came on the radio and kissed my ears awake. Something clicked on. light swan. This was on Earthly, unlike anything I'd heard before. The lyrics were nursery rhyme nonsense and nothing about changing times or dead students in Ohio. The sun was out and the park was still right there, so I still went over. We'd take a break during our 10.21-er and talk about which singles we bought that week, what we heard on the radio last night. Been to the Apollo yet? Time ticked by and I reached 15, 16, 17. In my final year at school, the punk wave rolled in. Everything got shorter and tighter, the songs, trousers, hair, tempers, as the days grew longer. Six years, school, common room. Someone would walk in with the latest single by, The Jam. Pistols, stranglers, x-ray specs. Yeah, these teeny dreams, they're hard to beat, and this wave wasn't borrowed from anyone older. Summer, 77, no longer an ordinary nine.
7: A One Minute Rant on Internet Dating by Helen McCabe. Okay, so I'm a bit of a geek, I like to watch superhero programmes on the TV, now sponsored by Match.com. I signed into YouTube the other day, and up comes an advert for mature singles. And most recently, intermittently, I've been getting adverts for cougar dating on Facebook. If only I believed in signs. What's wrong with the world? If you've managed to meet, date and build a relationship with the love of your life on internet dating, I'm so happy for you and celebrate your love. But for me, it seems I have the same magnetic ability for unsuitable, narcissistic weirdos as I do in real life. So universe, do one, I'm staying single till I'm titanium.
2: Splinters, a short monologue written and performed by Glenn Dixon. It's fair to say that I don't deal with conflict very well. I always run away from the difficult things. I've hidden behind many excuses as an attempt to escape my past. I've always loved climbing trees. Especially the really tall ones with the thin, breakable branches that are hard to reach. I've fallen loads of times, but it's never really stopped me from starting again. A few splinters and cuts and bruises has never really put me off. You see, I love the feeling of ascendance, of being up so high and looking down on everything. You can see every threat, every angle or intention, you can see it coming a mile off. Nobody can make you do anything you don't want to do up there. You can take yourself right out of the picture and paint your own version one tree at a time. It's really hard to break habits and curb behaviours. To stop doing those things that define us and make us who we really are deep down. Even when our actions are pushing people away and causing carnage, chaos and catastrophe. And we still carry on doing it. Well, I know I did. When I met her, it was like coming home, or coming down. It was a real revelation, and my life totally changed. She sussed me within minutes, you know. We've been together now for the longest time, and it's fair to say we've had our ups and downs. The ups have been unbelievable. You know, sky high, firework bright. And the lows, well, they've pushed us so far under at times, that it was almost impossible to get back up to the surface but we did and we always will now. I still like to climb up high. I'm not trying to hide from myself or my life. I've got someone with me now and we're enjoying the view.
17: A short monologue written by Roger Clifford. The lollipop man.
20: Oh,
11: oh. Huh. I'm out of breath. Oh, I'm out of breath. I've run around this park at least five times this evening. Oh it's a big park. And it's getting late. Why are you why aren't you home? Eh? You're foreign, aren't you? <laughs> I, c- I can tell by your face you're foreign. <laughs> are you crying? You're crying, aren't you? Come on, what are you crying for? Oh, you've fallen out with your boyfriend, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, well, you've fallen out with someone. eh? Where do you love? Do you want me to take you home? Are you sure? Hey, why, why, why are you running away? Come here, come here. Now look what you've done. You went over in your ankle, you silly fool, you. Eh, no more of running for me tonight. I'll just need to come and help you. Don't worry, it's okay. Nearly everyone knows me. I'm... I'm a lollipop man.
2: You've been listening to a very special Maybe a Minute Monologue Writer's Block Radio Hour Tonight you heard Glenn Dixon Karen Fraser Vivian Lamond Suzanne Edgerton Benjamin Peel Graham Boyd Christine Foster Dave Patton Natasha Gerson Sarah McCarty Harold Jarborough Graham Morgan Daly Miller Anya King John Wild Paul Alger Bev Sweeney Dougie Walker, Pauline Goldsmith, Paul Darrick, Brian Peters, Helen McCabe, Roger Clifford, Janine Thompson, Edward Peel, Anthony Hodgson and Titch McLean. Tonight's music was from So Long Stargazer's rock opera, Venture. It was written and performed by Kristen Green, Chase McCants, Nick Ray and Tommy Davis. Other additional material was from Cormac McCarthy, Neil Gaiman, Willis Hall, Keith Waterhouse, Stephen Burkhoff and John Osborne. Writer's Block Radio Hour was curated and produced by Glenn Dixon. Don't forget to join us next week at the same time.